Welcome back to season two of Driving Performance. I'm your host, Tom Shea. Excited to introduce Kendall Dickinson to the pod. Kendall Dickinson is a CPG and D2C social media and influencer marketing consultant with seven years of experience in the space, helping brands build communities and content that convert and teach them how to create a true friendship, true friendship with their ideal customer. Kendall Dickinson, live from Expo East. Welcome to Driving Performance. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited. Long time listener. Very long time. <laughs> very, very long time. So last Expo East, any core memories as we uh, send Expo off into the distance? Oh my gosh. I feel like there's a lot to handle. Oh, probably like the, the I feel like the We Stock okay. after party is always like the thing yeah, that comes in. And everyone is always playing ping pong and having a blast and yeah. making new friends. Um, I feel like also being overly caffeinated by all the coffee samples yeah. is like never a dull moment. I, uh, last year I like just randomly took a free sample mm -hmm. and it was just like an energy bar. Or, like I thought but it was you a protein didn't know bar. It oh my, I started feeling, <laughs> I started like an hour later, I'm like shaking and I go back and I'm like, oh yeah, that was three shots of espresso <laughs> and one caffeine bar. I was like, what the fuck is going on Never here? a dull time. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, well, anyway, let me quickly introduce the format of the podcast. Yeah. So as we are in a truck, there are going to be a few stops along our route. First stop is founder origin stories, mm -hmm. all of the pivotal moments, inflection points that got you to where you are today. Second stop is um, the brand specific questions, the company specific questions, diving deep on flexible creative, uh, yeah. the clients that you work with, all of your experience there. And then stop three will be our final stop. And we will close with a game we call the hot box, which is a rapid fire this or that question game modeled off the hot seat and then we'll wrap a outro from there sound good prepared let's do it all right let's do it all right so um where do you want to start you want to start you think you have a fun sort of come up story uh specifically <laughs> with your <laughs> academic years so <laughs> oh my gosh why don't we start someone did the research yeah i got i got <laughs> i got receipts okay <clears throat> chat gpt went off on They're this one so <laughs> If yeah. you want me to do your origin story, I mean, I can just read it. Um, no, I mean, okay. I'm happy to kick off. Am I just diving right in? Yeah, go for it. Let's see. All right. So I first kind of got like into social when I was at my first college of three um, before I then dropped out was at University of Vermont. Um, and I had a roommate at the time who she was vegan and we both like loved healthy options. Right. And in Burlington, there's like the uh, the closest supermarket was like two miles away and okay. I don't know how to drive. And like, you can't have a car <laughs> as a freshman. Today. You live in the city. So yeah, now you know. I live in the city. I still don't know how to drive. <laughs> and I just got a drive. I just got a non-driver's license. I've been carrying a passport for like <laughs> 10 years. Wow, fun, fun trivia. <laughs> yeah. So like showing up to music festivals is like a passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and basically long story short is that like, we were like, what about we form this food account or both form food accounts that show like healthy eating in college. And at the time, that was 2013. So, like, right. Instagram was, like, just a thing. So, we both started, like, documenting really bad photos of what we were eating. And then I decided to leave UVM in my first semester in December and go back home to New York. And I still kept posting on this account. And then it grew. Then I went to my second school where I studied, like, business administration. And then I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I actually want to be a dietitian. <laughs> dietitian? Yeah. Okay. And then I went to my third school, all while still posting right, on so my account. What what prompted the leave from the first school, UVM? The first school is a little bit of a deep dive. Okay. Um, so like, but it did get me to, I have to say, it did get me to where I am. It started the account. It was the reason I started the account. So right. I was dealing at the time with like some health 
some health issues, more so like disordered eating, things like that. A lot of girls who go through that in college. And so I started this account more so as like accountability to myself and like recipes to like get healthier, get better. Right. And so like that was my main point for leaving because I knew I wasn't in the right headspace, but I also had a feeling that college wasn't like my thing. Right. I was like writing in English on my Italian test. So I was like, I'm crushing it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then second school and then I left that because I was just like, I don't, I think this is like too easy. It was a little easy. And then third school, I was just like, okay, let's become a dietitian. Still kept my account going at this time. It was probably like, 10,000 followers, 15,000 followers. Right. So I started getting reached out to by brands and then it kept growing. So I was doing more partnerships while I was in college, all while balancing like a retail job right. and an internship at Spoon University that I got through one of my, who is now my best friend. She was someone I met through my food account. Okay. Um, her name's Carolina. Shout out Carolina. Um, and I became a social media intern at Spoon University Okay. Um, while still going to school working in retail, doing all that. Yeah, and then junior year, I was like, I, yeah. I need to go. Yeah. So talk us through the, that was like, I don't know if it was early IG, but that was, that was pretty early, was pretty early, right? Yeah, yeah. So talk us through, I don't know, like what that was like. Did you have aspirations to grow it or was it more an organic? Like I'm going to post what I want to post. Like what element was just like, this is me high. And what element was like, Hey, I'm trying to build something. I didn't know. There was like zero intention. Like I I consider it like the best accident ever because one, I outed myself that I had this account because I, it was completely private when I started it because it was like more so just for me. And I was like, let's see what happens if we didn't make it public, maybe one day, but it was more so just for me. And then I stupidly pressed share to Facebook when you're like uploading an Instagram post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it went on to Facebook back in the day. Oh no. And then everyone was like, what is what this? And doing? I was like, oh my God. Oh. So I was like, guess we're public now. Wow. And then I just kept posting whatever I wanted. Like if anyone scrolled back, like the photos are awful. Um and a lot of contrast colors going on. And um <laughs> sepia filters. Sepia filters, <laughs> black and white. Um and uh so yeah, it was kind of like whatever I wanted, yeah. where you could just do whatever you wanted, say whatever you wanted within reason, um, yeah. and yeah. And w- so what was the actual content? Was it being like crowdsourced from people, or was it all specifically things that you it were was, trending and tracking? It was literally anything I was, like any recipe or meal I was making in my dorm room. Like okay. that was it. Like that was like, or like gym updates. Right. Like fitness, and whatever. And how did that evolve over time? It kind of got more versus like meals and like ideas and my feelings. It was a lot of it started getting to like elevated recipe development enough to like work with brands to be like, I could be your recipe developer. Right. Um, So it started getting into like working with companies like back in the day, like Maranatha, huge almond butter company. Um, I did a brand partnership with Hinge about what it's like to be like yeah, some, yeah, a yeah. creative who works from home. Right. That was like probably my most random and fun brand partnership ever. Um, and then, yeah, so like it kind of scaled to like this, like I got a real camera, I got backdrops, I got lights, right. I got right. like, I'm spending four hours in a kitchen, like versus like microwaved carrots in a dorm yeah. room with like yeah. a random veggie patty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When did you um, make the decision to try to monetize it and like start brand partnerships? It 
happened just like, like normally yeah i was getting reached out to by a lot of brands through like, oh, like influencer networks okay. yeah so it was like through like aspire right. when it was revfluence back in the day but like aspire people would just be like inviting me to campaigns and i just remember getting like my first like hundred dollars and i was like holy crap yeah i was like this could be a thing yeah awesome and yeah. what um you know that's a non-linear route and most routes are not linear <laughs> yeah. but like what was your family and your friends and like your support network um thinking about as this was playing out in real time <laughs> i mean the endings the ending is a positive good one but not I'm good like, Yo, not you're good uh, my friends were like what are you doing right. um a lot of my friends during that time when we were in college were just like this isn't norm it's not the norm right. um i think especially when i got to the point of like dropping out too. I was nervous. I was like very in my head. Um, and then my mom was super supportive the whole way. She was like, she's the one who told me like, if you want to drop out, like just show me that like you would be okay on your own. Right. So like monetize this in whatever way you want to. So whether it was like breaking out like I did and I started doing consulting before I dropped out. Right um and like doing the account and she was like just show me that you could live on your own right um then yeah she was like then you have my blessing then my friends were just like this is weird a little bit but they got it or they supported it or they did it themselves right so it was like a mix and then now obviously everyone is like super supportive yeah yep. awesome nice yeah um and when did flexible foodie start to bleed into flexible creative um, I would say like I didn't know it was happening to that point <laughs> until like I know honestly I have no idea what was ever happening in my mind. I was just like, this is just a thing, I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. Um probably like in the junior year of college when I started pivoting and knowing that like I saw I was always a good student and my grades were like kind of going you like just this. Said you were writing English on your Italian. Okay, so. that was like <laughs> otherwise I was a great student. Okay, we're gonna just language was not my thing the sure. um but i crushed organic chemistry yeah. um and bio and organic social every yes true <laughs> and the <laughs> um so i would say like junior year when i was interning at spoon i was getting i was going to a lot of restaurant events for my food account and so it started happening is like those restaurants were like hey like we need help with our social right so i started taking on restaurant clients in new york which also helps a nice college student out because I was getting meals. Right. Um, sure. And then, so I started running accounts for some restaurants. I started, I was doing photo shoots, video shoots, influencer event planning, getting them in. So it was then, but now it's like on this brand side of things. It started like happening throughout the years. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. So I think that's a good transition in to stop to here. So, um, Let's talk about Flexible Creative. Yeah. How would you describe what you do in your own words? It's so hard. And I guess one thing that might help guide that question, like what what is in scope for your work and what is <laughs> out of scope for your work? Because I'm sure people like don't know where the line starts. Yeah, and ends. it's always hard. I think like in the best sense of what I do, I just like building community. Like it's very straightforward. Like I build community, whether it is through like creating an influencer program for a company. So it's like growing your community of content creators and like potential brand ambassadors and things like that, or building community online through organic social. Right. That's kind of like how I look at it. And whether that's through like my own execution and strategy or me working with your team, 
to make it happen and yeah. like they handle execution and i handle strategy or there and then there's the point where like both of those sides meet in the middle because like influencer goes into organic social and vice versa and like all the tracking and all that stuff um so i would say that's that's what i do in scope it's like my god it's flexible yeah um, what's out of scope the side of the out, out of scope, scope i do not do paid media right i do pay i the only point someone in organic should be touching paid media is like if you're handling whitelisting contracts for creators okay like i work with teams on Makes that sense. i work with that's teams right on like too. yeah like what are our best organic posts? Can we leverage them for paid? Because a lot of organic should be a testing ground for paid. So it's like, I still have the knowledge, but I'm not going to be doing like media buying. I don't do website development. I don't do like, I don't make a lot of the creative myself. I work with designers. I work with creators, but I can brief. Yeah. So awesome. those, I would say those are like the main things that cool. are at scope. And what brands have you worked with across uh, the years? Um, we'll double I, click on some of the, yeah. the ones. Um, I have worked with my very first like brand client, um, was actually like during COVID, um, and it was Canopy, which is okay. owned and founded and incubated out of doorstep. doorstep. Yep. Season one. Yes. And I was with them for three amazing years. How'd you meet them? Sort of like uh, Sharma company. introduced okay. me to Justin. Yeah, um, of course. And <laughs> That's how we know each other. Yeah, I know. Shout and um, every time. And so I was with Canopy for three years. I launched their social and their influencer program. Um, and then, yeah, over the years, I started working with Verb Energy, who is here at the expo now. Um, Graza, which we all know and love. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my gosh, there's like, it's always one of those things where you have like a blackout moment yeah, yeah, in yeah. your brain. Uh, barcode, Emmy. Is Kevin, is Kevin going to come on? Kevin, yeah, I think Kevin. I've been trying to get him on for two seasons. Kevin, He's just not please answer. Up. Come on, Kevin. Um, Emmy, barcode. I work with, for those that are in New York, I did work with Gregory's Coffee, which is like a bigger chain there in DC. They're throughout the country. Um, via Corona. Via Corona Craft Cocktails. Yeah, I mean, there's like, I don't even, so there's many. so yeah. many. <laughs> um, oh, Talaya Beer. I can't oh, forget Talaya one, Beer. Yes. That one's yeah. popping off right yeah. now. Um, so why don't we double click on a few of those? I think Graza, you know, Alan was on season one. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at that launch as one of the best executed in recent memory. And I know you were pretty core to that. So why don't we talk about how'd you meet the, the Graza team yeah. and maybe rehash the story of, sort of that launch and why you think it was so successful. Yeah, so I met Andrew and Alan because Grace Clark, mm. who- Shout out Grace. Shout out Grace. To get her on um, the future season. Yeah, Grace introduced, you know, well, okay. So my friend Caroline introduced, reintroduced Grace and I because we'd met at a dinner. Right. And we kind of like stayed in touch, but not really. But we were like, we knew we would be friends. Two hour phone call later, we're like, yeah, we're definitely going to be friends. Hmm. Uh, she's like, I'm working on this olive oil project. And she was like, would you want to help out with social? And I was like, absolutely. So she, we had a meeting at actually Sharma's office that I shared with him. Um, and the four of us were in a room. And I asked him, like, how can I be helpful? I know what you I know what they were looking for, but it's right. like, what is the main goal here? They said, we just want to be everywhere. And that's like a huge ask right yeah, any any brand wants that any yeah. brand wants that and i never seen i see the branding but i never like touched the product yet right and so yeah that's kind of how we went we went into this big conference room right and then had a meeting and i was like yes i definitely want to work together um 
And that was like, that's how it started. It was the yeah. four of us for months. Yeah. And yeah. so how did that strategy come together and unfold? So there was a ton of seating, right? Ton of seating. The different options you could have pursued there. I think there's like a whole lot. It's like you see olive oil and people just are like cooking creators. And I think like our goal was if we want to be everywhere, you have to insert yourselves in like the really weird spot, like spaces too. Right. Not really weird, but like the use cases where it still applies, but people don't see it as the first option. So, and I also look at like, I have this whole thing. I think I might have mentioned it to you in the past and it's on brand, like vehicular brands of like something you can use thousands of times for different use cases or right. the best products because you can see them all day long to different people. Right. They can do whatever they want with it. And the content flywheel is just like built into the product. Yeah. So it's like, that was my goal for the seating was like every, a different community, like every week was getting outreach. And then with social, you know, it was like also just the four of us and any footage from like the first photo shoot and the video shoot. And it was like, stretch it start all right. the accounts, start posting early. And I think the number one piece of advice as to why it all worked out is we started early. Right. We didn't start, like, I've been brought on a day before a launch. I've been brought on a week before a launch. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. You can still do it, yeah, but like I had two months right. before and we started seeding a month before. Yeah, awesome. So yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people come to you with like, hey, let's try to recreate that. One thing I want to talk about is I feel like it's never... It's never been easier and it's never been harder and yeah. to, to do social correctly. And I think part of what makes it easy is everything's in public available for the taking. And yeah. like the Facebook's ad library is scrapable and yeah. you could, there's like a whole like, you know, just I don't want to call it knockoff, but like fast follower effect to this. Um, so how do you think about, I don't know, stay there's essentially no playbook where you can just go, okay, rinse, repeat, rinse, yeah. repeat, because people catch on to success and then just try to replicate yep. it. And then it's like, okay, the best practice is no longer a best practice because everyone's doing the best practice. So how do you, I don't know, it could be like a, where do you draw inspiration from or how do you solve for that? Because that's here to stay. I was thinking about this the other day. I think like for inspiration, it's like, I think my number one piece of advice especially to like founders and people who are scrolling all day long, because it's like, well, one, the number one problem is we all like digest more than we create, right. whether that's like personal brand stuff or like anything. Um, I would say it's looking outside of your niche okay. to draw inspiration. So it's like, I look at like fashion brands if I'm working within food or I work, I look at like video game company, right. like, just for like concept. That makes sense because so your it feed triggers. is going to be. Yeah, exactly what you're stuck seeing. Stuck in your. Yeah. Yes, so it's like, outside. right? Like then it ends up being like everyone's doing the same trend. Right. So it's like, we're looking at, like I look at restaurants. If like, if it's a cocktail company, sometimes, yeah, I'll look at restaurants. I'll look at things that are like in the same field, like chain spots. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think like looking outside of it is yeah. like what you need to do. For sure. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about um, working with creators. Yeah. I think, you know, that influencer marketing, affiliate marketing, I think a really hot topic right now. Everyone's trying to figure out to how to hack it. Um, how do you think about it? Like, is, are you looking, is it very metrics driven? Um, what are you looking at measuring? I, I think like yeah. a lot of people are paying celebrities like 100K and people think that that's working, no. but I know it's not. <laughs> So 
you know, how do you make sure, like, how do brands set them set themselves up for success in this context? Um, I think there's like few ways that you can split. Obviously, like, not everyone has budget, which is totally fine. You can still right. do a lot. And I think like people see like you have to send like a hundred packages a month. You don't need to do that. I think it's like even if you can send twenty five, it's a win. Um, and I think there's like you have your seating that you look at. That's like you're giving the product no expectations. Right but you have to make that experience worth it because I forgot who said this line, but your unboxing has a 99% open rate. Hey, truly. I love that. Truly. I forgot who said it, but it's so good. And that's it's so, so true. Good. I put it in every deck. I love that. And like, I love it because that's like, whether it's the consumer, which is why I love Gross's packaging. Right. Consumer loves it, but influencer loves it too. Right. And it's like, we obviously add a few things to the influencer box, like a tote bag or anything like that. Um. So that, and then you have like, yeah, this more like, how do you utilize the creator and influencer of helping leverage your internal content development needs? Okay. So like paying someone a retainer or per video basis for content for your own owned channels right? So versus them posting it for like the exposure on their account, because those are two different fees. Totally. Or doing vice versa and saying like, we want to do this recipe with you and pay for your reach and it lives on our website and all that stuff right and then you have the third tier of like the pay to play full-blown metric drip like metric wise like actually a lot of my focus on graza starting like two months ago shifted more to like you can have attribution on organic social obviously like utm code utm links and everything like that right but now it's like strictly paid influencer and ambassador work so it's like a lot of like the work that is hard to attribute now has all the attribution in the world. Right. So yeah, it's very like, what is the ROAS if we're doing whitelisting? How are we looking at that? Like, what's our open rate on like our boxes when like if we're seating to 200 people a month, how many people actually posted out of yeah. that? Feedback wise, like what are we getting? So there's metrics for like kind of see it in like each group. Are there any tools that you love? Or is oh, it really sort of like a manual? This has been the question of the week. Is it, has it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Well, it's it seems a hard, like a lot to manage, right? Yeah. So I'm I, wondering if anyone's slotted in to help with that. So I've always been put, which is not a bad thing. I think it's a great skill in like a scrappy setting. So like when I was building out Canopy's list, building out Grouse's list, Google Sheets. Yeah, right. Um, like everyone should have a CRM. I know it's like the hardest thing to always be like updating and right. everything like that um but keeping a crm and then like shipping lived in google sheets like just doing csv files my goal is to get you know the clients that can afford it to some bigger platform when grin was more of a thing right. i would I, I grin but things change with apis and i don't think it's the best investment right now right um and so for me personally it's it's google sheets it's shopify collab shout out mike um it's free you can do ambassador through there you can do payouts through there you can gift through there um and then hype auditor is i really enjoy it i started using it about a few months ago a few months ago and you can do like influencer reports and okay. if you're doing more retail focused paid initiatives you can see like where their audience is and like you know it, how their engagement's looking is it going on the up is it like this like everything like that Got it. um i think that is pretty much like Most everything yeah. that I use. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, two more topics I want to head on. Yeah. Creator whitelistings, like yeah. huge right now. Yeah. Why do you think it's such a big trend? Why is it working? 
uh, because people are seeing lower costs for acquisition because it's more native to someone's feed. So, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people too, it's- Also, it's, sorry, I should yeah. say, uh, that might be jargon. What is creator whitelisting? I was gonna I mean, say, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna so say. Well? <laughs> <laughs> so like whitelisting is basically when you, so if you were doing an ad, right? Let's say for good Chris, and so, I yeah. want it to put, I want it to make, okay. Say you're creating content for good Chris. And I was like, Tom, I'm gonna pay you $5 billion. That would be a nice, nice check. We, um, $5 billion and I wanna run it as an ad through you, that would be whitelisting. So if you were going on your Instagram feed, you might see an ad from like a friend of ours, right? right. It just says sponsored underneath their username or something like that. So it's like, you're getting an ad through their account. It's not coming from like good Chris right. ad sponsored. So it just like hits the feed more natively, right. um, but people are seeing lower costs for acquisition, higher ROAS when it's done correctly. Um, but a lot of Graz's like best ads have come out of our whitelisting right. campaigns. Yeah. Functionally, like do you get the analytics when you do a whitelisting? Yeah, or, you can or see do them. You rely on them to share it with you. No, uh, I would say when the ad goes live before we whitelist, I yeah. always give them like a week to send analytics for like the organic portion. Okay. And then like a lot of for Graza in particular, our attribution on our like paid initiatives and things like that are code driven. Got it. So I can do that. So it's like, I could see code usage mark on my calendar for one week. They did this in one week without any paid. When we started whitelisting, what was the difference? Yeah. And then all the other fun numbers that come into that. So yeah, I could still track everything. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, one thing, final questions here. Um, one thing I don't think gets enough airtime is search engine optimization. <laughs> and I yeah. think a lot of brands are leaving uh, gains on the table mm -hmm. because a lot of this stuff, especially with modern technologies, can quickly be ripped, replicated, and optimized for search engine optimization. So yeah. have you seen that sort of play out? Um, do you have any thoughts on uh, influencer content at the intersection of SEO? I think there's like a few things that people need to, it goes into organic too, because like TikTok being used as a search engine is like very much a thing. Right. And so I look at it too for like any video content that goes live on client accounts. It's like, how are we captioning our videos? Like on the actual caption, not the copy on the video. Right, right, right. To match the SEO that like someone would be searching for. Okay. So like, that's why like TikTok captions for most brands are like the most basic of the basic. Like it's like how to do this. Right. Like it should be that. Except what someone's going to look up. Yeah. So like you should feed into that. I think like, when it comes to SEO, yes, I think there's different ways to do it. Like in Graza's case, we have our blog, which is Graza plus blog equals blog. And um, all the recipes that we've ever worked with any creator is there and they're always backlinked. They have deep, deep links to their site or like whatever okay. they want. So like we're always optimizing to like even just for recipe stuff across like social and yeah. um, the web. Yeah. So yeah. Do you do a lot of like keyword research? Sometimes, I mean, actually, oh, one tool that is good. Um, I was telling Grace about this two days ago. Um, Brand24, okay. I just started introducing in. It's a social listening tool. Okay. So you can look up keywords. And I just started having, like, some of the community managers that I work with on Teams implementing that in. So, like, if we're looking up Graza or we're looking up olive oil, where can we insert ourselves in conversation? What's the SEO looking like on like certain things that people are talking about with olive oil? Okay. And then where are we able, like, are there platforms we should be on more like Reddit, 
Um, are there new creators who we didn't know were posting about us? Like, can I reach out to them? Right, right, right. That's been super, it's like $70 a month and it's super helpful. Awesome. So, yeah. Gonna chop that and make an affiliate link. I know. <laughs> I don't think I get, could get one, but I'll try. Um, <laughs> final question, is organic dead? No. <laughs> Defend it. There's no way. Like, like, I think, like, you, if you pay from the start, you get what you pay for, which right. is an audience that is going to die off over time because you just spent your dollars and you're only going to have to keep spending your dollars right. to keep them around. Like organic is not dead if you're creative with it. And also creativity doesn't need to mean like you need millions of dollars to start out. Like there are tons of founders who have done great jobs with brands with one person on their team or by themselves who have been able to amass like a huge following but with uh quality right. people quality in it audience, yeah different. and like have people who engage with everything so no i don't yeah. think it's dead and also paid cannot thrive without organic because like it should all feed it's never paid versus organic it's paid and organic because you can amplify everything through each other and it should just be a flywheel that goes like this awesome. so that's my defense nice yeah all right stop three the hot box. I'm you ready? ready. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to ask you. There's some a lot questions. of bullets. I don't know if anyone realizes there's like 50 bullets for this. I'm shaking. <laughs> right, my leg is shaking. Um, are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Cold plunge or hot tub? Cold plunge. Sicko. Beach house or ski house? Beach house. I don't know how to ski. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Okay. D2C or DTC? <laughs> <laughs> D to C. All right. There you go. Neat or messy? Oh, neat. Corgi or golden retriever? Corgi. Tennis or golf? Tennis. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? Oh, come on. <laughs> candy corn. All right. Live music or DJ? Live music. Sweet snacks or salty snacks? Sweet snacks. Call or text? Text. Reading Even though I'm writing? not good at answering. I don't think not many people have said call. <laughs> New world order. Reading or writing? Writing. Okay. Work remote or work on site? Work remote. Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok? Oh, come on. Pick one. Uh, Twitter. Okay. X. X. Oh, <laughs> shit. I got to update this. Um, whatever. It lives on. Uh, dancing or people watching? People watching. Cocktails or beers? Beers. Yeah, Tyler. <laughs> give up bread or give up cheese for life? Oh, give up cheese because I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good reason. Um, Fifty dollars on red or black? Wait, what? It's casino. What oh, you... I don't, I don't I've never been to Vegas. <laughs> right, red. Moving. I don't know. Start early or leave late? Start early. Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Playlists or podcasts? Playlists. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, speak to animals or speak ten languages? Speak to animals. All right. I agree with that one. We've got a lot of speak 10 languages. I'm like, just there's technology for yeah, that. Yeah, no. Uh, telepathy or teleportation? Teleportation because I don't like flying. Okay. <laughs> Trucks or billboards? Trucks. Thank God. <laughs> uh, receive good news or bad news first? Receive bad news first. All right. Well, the bad news is we're comfortable. <laughs> Come to our final stop on That's the podcast. Kendall, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks for, for having uh, me. doing this with me. Of course. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, let people know where they can learn more about yourself, 
your practice. So um, where, where can they connect with you? Yeah, uh, they could find me on LinkedIn at Kendall Dickinson. And then on X and Instagram, or yeah, the Flexible Foodie or Flexible Foodie. And then website is kendalldickinson.com. Cool. Make it simple. Wrap. Awesome. Awesome. All right, done. Good job. That was so Crushed good. It. You had fun? Yes, that was cool. good. I'm well, sweating. There's some good clips in there. The, I'm just sitting I there analyzing the, I, I want clip, the I want clip. the ocean. I know. I was doing it in my head too. I want the ocean. I got to 